existence. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's because when we can point at this objective reality of the Lord taking us and marking us with his name, then we can fight back the assaults of the devil, which are often, we don't feel close to Christ, we don't feel forgiven, we don't feel the presence of God or all of this sort of thing, but we still stand as his baptized children. So it's, it's what the Lord has done, not what we've done, and that's, and that's the gift that baptism gives. Five hundred years ago, Martin Luther would gather around the kitchen table with friends and theologians to talk about the Bible, theology, current events, and anything else. These discussions were called table talks. No matter what the question, the conversations always centered around Jesus and his promise of the forgiveness of sins. Table Talk Radio takes up the conversation, bringing the promise of the gospel to our lives. Stay tuned for Table Talk Radio. And welcome to another edition of Table Talk Radio. Pastor Wolfmuller, how are you? Good, Evan. How are you? Doing good uh, on this warm afternoon. It's hot. It's downright hot. <laughs> it is. Luckily, it doesn't matter because we have a great lineup for Table Talk Radio today. Yeah, if, if, any, if one of us passes out during the recording of the show, just keep going. Uh, you that are listening, don't worry. We're close to medical help. Uh, don't be concerned about us at all. <laughs> Not at all. Hey, uh, today on Table Talk Radio, we're starting out with – we have a bunch of new games, actually. I'm pretty excited about today's Table Talk Radio. Uh, starting out with Church History Headlines. Most of these, most of these are inventions by Pastor Wolf Miller. They get crazier and crazier. <laughs> As I get older and older, I think this is a, the problem with this first game, Church History Headlines, is the incredible amount of prep work. We try to, I try to limit the prep work to 30 or 40 seconds uh, for each segment, but this one took at least three or four minutes. So we're going to have to see how it works. Well, next up, uh, then for segments two and three, we're playing a new game called Iron Preacher. Iron Preacher! Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we'll explain that as we go uh, from the uh, the TV series Iron Cook, right? Iron, Iron Chef. Chef. Iron right. Chef. Right. And then uh, the last segment of the program, uh, we're just finishing up with uh, a few odds and ends. Is that right? No, don't forget the lyrics oh, today. Right. The new hit uh, is sure to be soon a network show. Uh, <laughs> don't forget the lyrics to your hymns. Uh, where we'll play a hymn, uh, and then I think I'm going to be the contestant this time. Evan, you can go next time, but you'll stop the hymn right in the middle, and then I try to finish the line. I've got some good ones lined up. <laughs> That's right. I, and I have not, no idea what these hymns are. This should be – stay tuned for this. Yes. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get started then on Church History Headlines. All right, church history. This is how the game works, Evan, to explain it to you. I'm going to give you headlines from church history. I'm going to give you three at a time. I think we've got enough for three rounds here. So I'll give you three headlines. One of them will have actually occurred, something that happened uh, in church history, and the other two are close to events that happened, but not quite. And you then have to pick which one uh, was r really actually happened in church history. And then we'll talk about it a little bit, go on to the next one, uh, and th that's how it works. Uh, now, I think the points that are on the table for this game, there's uh, 200 points per uh, guess, so leaving you the possibility of winning 600 points uh, during this game. Okay, the first is, this is August 24th, uh, things that happened on August 24th in church history, and I have three. Uh, the first... 1456, the second volume of Thomas Aquinas's Summa Theologica was bound in Mainz, Germany. Second, 1572, 5,000 Huguenots and other Protestants were killed in the St. Bartholomew's Day Massacre in Paris. And third, 
August 24, 1662, the deadline arrived for all British ministers to publicly assent to the Book of Common Hot Dish Recipes, the Act of Uniformity. <laughs> What's so funny over there? Nothing. <laughs> I can't believe you're laughing at church history like this. The Act of Uniformity passed on the 19th of May, 1662, also required the BCHDR, Book of Common Hot Dish Recipes, to be used exclusively from that date forward. Okay, so one of these is correct, or two of these are correct? One of them is correct. I am going to guess, and you have to reread the whole thing. Uh, I'm going to guess the first one with uh, Thomas Aquinas. We read the whole thing? Sure, one? August 24th, 1456. The second volume of Thomas Aquinas' Thuma Summa Theologica was bound in Mainz, Germany. And you are, Evan, 100% wrong. Dang it! <laughs> the correct answer is, is that it on C. <laughs> no, no, not the hot dish. The B actually. Fifteen seventy-two. Five thousand Huguenots and other Protestants were killed on the Saint Bartholomew's Day massacre in Paris. Uh, August twenty-fourth is Saint Bartholomew's Day. That's nice. Actually, what happened on fourteen fifty-six is the second volume of the Gutenberg Bible was bound in Mainz, Germany. And in 1662, it was the deadline for all ministers to publicly assent to the Book of Common Prayer. Uh-huh. That's the act of uniformity. You got me. So I get any points for being uh, for not picking C? <laughs> no points for you. Evan. All right, here, here's round two. You ready? I'm Ju- ready. July, all of these things happened on July 11th. Now we're going to dip a little further back in history. First, July 11th in the year 431, legates of Celestine of Rome, arrived at the Eighth Ecumenical Council of Ephesus, riding to make an impression on elephants. Two. Okay. Uh, July 11th, 547, Benedict of Nursia, abbot of Monte Classino, founder of Western monasticism, is commemorated. And, C, July 11th, 1533, Pope Clement VIII excommunicated King uh, England's King Henry the Seventh for remarrying after his divorce. Do you know what I found out from playing this game? What? Uh, church history is not my strong suit. <laughs> That's it's none of our strong suits either. <laughs> I, you know, I tried to pick common events. You know. <laughs> um, I don't know. Can I get a can I get a, a repeat on this? Without, okay, is that possible? Yeah, sure. I'll go fast. July eleventh. In the year 431, legates of Celestine of Rome arrived at the Eighth Ecumenical Council of Ephesus, riding to make an impression on elephants. The year uh, 547, July 11th, Benedict of Nursia, abbot of Monte Classino, founder of Western monasticism, is commemorated. And then uh, July 11th, 1533, Pope Clement VIII excommunicated England's King Henry VII for remarrying after his divorce. And what are my lifelines on this game? No lifelines. <laughs> just, okay. Just flounder a while and guess. All right. Then my guess, uh, I'm going to go with the third one. Pope Clement VIII. Actually, that's wrong, Evan. Well. <laughs> I'll tell you what's right here. Uh, listen to how this is kind of tricky. I feel sorry for you getting this one. <laughs> yeah, sure. Because you it's Pope Clement VII. Oh, who come ex- on. <laughs> who excommunicated England's King Henry VIII. For remarrying after his divorce. So the 8th and the 7th are switched there. But that really did happen. So that's 1533. And that's really the beginning of the Church of England with this divorce of King Henry VIII. And, uh, um, like the song. 
Right. You want to <laughs> sing it for us? I don't. Go ahead. Henry the Eighth. You'll, you'll get for your uh, fellow singing in on the last segment when we right. play. And uh, don't forget the lyrics. We'll wait for that. <laughs> uh, the first one, I have no idea what they were, what the legates of Celestine of Rome uh, arrived at, if they rode on on elephants or if they walked or what. But it was the third ecumenical council of Ephesus. I don't think there were eight ecumenical councils <laughs> of Ephesus. So the true answer again was B. Benedict of Nursia, abbot of Monte Classino, founder of Western Western monastic is commemorated uh, and that comes he he died uh, on July 11th right around the year 547 that of course uh, is the beginning uh, I believe of the Benedictine uh, monks so there you go uh, I think I'm going to make mine a little bit harder for you in future <laughs> games then I'm not sure this game is going to make it man this is too alright here we got to move on quick to this third one don't okay. we I hope so to get this game We've over got about two and a half minutes yeah. uh, okay so these are uh, different days here different dates different days three different things okay first July 16th in the year 1054 1054 church legates of the Roman Pope marched into the church of Michael uh, Cerularius oh I wish I knew how to pronounce that name uh, patriarch of Constantinople, and placed a bull on the altar, excommunicating him. It was the beginning of the great East-West schism between Western Roman Catholics and the Eastern Orthodox. Okay. B. November 16th, 1414, the Council of Constance was convened. This conclave, which lasted until the 22nd of April, 1418, ended the great schism uh, within the church by de- deposing three rival popes. The council also brought to trial and executed two Bohemian reformers, John Huss and his close friend Jerome of Prague, and anathematized the teaching of the English reformer John Wycliffe. And third, July 17th in the year 431. We're back to 431. The Council of Ephesus is adjourned. It was the third of seven ecumenical councils of the church and was chiefly noted for its condemnation of Nestorianism, which denied the real unity of the divine and human natures in the person of Christ, defining Mary's title as Theotokos, that is, the bearer of God, and condemning Pelagianism, the belief that human nature could take initial steps towards salvation by self-effort, unaided by divine grace. Um, Okay, so (laughs) Q, just repeat the year on the first one. Sure, the first one was 1054. Yeah, that seems pretty late, I think, for that. If I'm not mistaken. So I'm not going to go with that one. I think I'm going to go with the third one. Would that be correct? Uh, actually, Evan, uh, all three of these are correct because ah. I didn't have the time to falsify <laughs> any of them. So you get that right. Yeah, that was a, you so, got it. So me saying, <laughs> that seems pretty late for the Great Schism. <laughs> that is the date of the Great Schism, 1054. Really? Okay, yeah, was, East was, and West. I was thinking it was earlier than that. No, nope, 1054 is when it was. And, you know, there was, I mean, it was a political thing. It was a theological thing. And they were debating about the date of Easter. They were de- debating about the, the uh, uh, or the, um, the filioque, the procession of the Holy Spirit from the divine and human natures of Christ. And they were also, uh, you know, political things where the Pope in Rome was claiming to be head over all of the church. And, and that's, uh, those are the three re- reasons for the split, really, in 1054. So that happened. The Council of Constance, 1414, got rid of the three. They had three popes at once, and they were all gotten rid of, and they got a new pope. And also the Council of Ephesus adjourned in the year 431. Well, if you think that's embarrassing, just wait till we play this next game, Iron Preacher, uh, where Pastor Wolf Miller is supposedly the Iron Preacher. Iron Preacher! Uh, so we'll be right back on Table Talk Radio with Iron Preacher Station. 
And welcome back to Table Talk Radio. Uh, Iron Preacher is the name of the game, and the self-proclaimed Iron Preacher is Pastor Brian Wolfmiller. <laughs> Are you ready for this challenge? I'm ready. All right. Well, uh, let me first explain how the game works. Um, what it is, Pastor Wolfmiller claims to be this Iron Preacher, which uh, no one in his congregation would back him up on. Um, but uh, The Pillow Preacher, I'm known as here. <laughs> Uh, but what we're going to do is we're going to invite uh, a challenger, a challenger preacher, and I will go ahead and introduce him now. Uh, that is uh, Derek, Pastor Derek Roberts. He's a campus pastor uh, of Lutheran Campus Ministry at University of Tennessee. Uh, Derek, how are you? I'm doing great, thanks. Good. Uh, are you prepared to go against the iron preacher here uh, on Table Talk Radio? Well, I tell you what, I've got a uh, uniball pen, and it's made in Japan, so how could I lose? <laughs> there you go. You have a point. And then our, uh, our our judge for the Iron Preacher is Dr. Carl Frekencher. He is a professor of homiletics at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Dr. Frekencher, thanks for being on the program. It's a delight. I'm thrilled to do this. All right. So I guess we will go ahead and get our preachers going uh, on their text uh, so they can start working on their sermon. They're going to do a sermon outline. Is that right, Pastor Wolfmiller? Uh, sermon title, theme, outline. That's right. And neither uh, myself or uh, Pastor Roberts know the text that we are about to be given. So we will have about 10 minutes to work on this uh, before we come back and have our sermons critiqued. All right. And that text is Luke chapter 14, verses 16 through 24. And let me go ahead and read that. Uh, he said to them, And once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at that time, for the banquet sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they were all alike, began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field, and I must go and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen. I must go examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master, and then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city, and bring in the poor and the crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you have commanded has been done, and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and the hedges, and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet." So that's the text from Luke 14. I will go and let the preachers uh, begin their task. Meanwhile, it's my delight to talk to Dr. Carl Frekencher uh, about what makes a good sermon. And first, uh, Dr. Frekencher, um, as I look out to uh, the Christian church as a whole, I pay close attention to what passes as uh, Christian preaching today. And it seems that the universal standard I find amongst Christian preaching is simply that uh, the sermon makes people feel good. What should true Christian preaching set out to do? Well, making people feel good is, is, is certainly a, uh, a rather uh, superficial kind of goal, and yet I think you're right. Uh, making people feel good is, is one of the keys to popularity, and preachers, that it includes sanctified Christian preachers, are sinful people who are subject to that kind of temptation. We, li- we like to be accepted, we, we, uh, we like to be popular, and so that is a, uh, an attractive uh, kind of uh, temptation for the preacher. Um, instead, though, what we really want to have happening uh, in every hearer of our sermons is for him to be con- confronted, on the one hand, with the reality of what he is by nature, and that is a sinner who is uh, unable to uh, make his own way, unable to uh, please God, and certainly unable to 
earn a place with God in heaven, and on the other hand, make him aware, equally aware, even more aware, of what God has done for him in Christ. Because in Christ Jesus, uh, perfect life and death and resurrection, all the things that, that should have been done by each one of us has been done for us. And as a result, we have a, a wonderful restored relationship with God in Christ Jesus. Uh, a sermon really should bring us to an awareness of our desperation and then comfort us with the assurance that in Christ uh, we have forgiveness of sins and, and God's assurance of salvation. Uh, what you just described there, uh, there seems to be, uh, in some senses, an apparent contradiction there. Um, how, do, how do we then divide those, those two apparent contradictions in the Scriptures? Mm-hmm. That's a great question, actually. That's uh, also very well phrased, Evan, because uh, what I have described, and you, you know this very well, is, uh, d- is the distinction between law and gospel. It's the law that shows us our sin, our desperation, our need, and the gospel that shows us what God has done for us in Christ. And when we look at the scriptures, it often appears as if law and gospel are nothing less than contradictions. Uh, The scriptures tell us again and again and again that we are sinful, that we are guilty. Um, St. Paul quotes uh, from the Psalms when he says, there is no one who does good, no, not one uh, we are all we all stand condemned. The wages of sin is death. Uh, and, and yet, on the other hand, we have the scriptures assuring us again and again that we have eternal life. And how, how can can one uh, reconcile those two? That we stand condemned and yet have eternal life. The answer is what God has done for us in Christ. Um, one of my really favorite passages in the whole Bible is in uh, Romans uh, chapter three where St. Paul tells us that, uh, that God is both just and wishes to be the, the justifier. He says uh, in um, uh, Romans chapter 3, verse 26, uh, that uh, what God is doing is, I'm cutting in the middle of the sentence, uh, demonstrating his righteousness at the present time, that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Uh, to say that God is just is to say that God is holy and God cannot leave sinfulness unpunished. In fact, he can't even be in the presence of any kind of sinfulness. And yet we also know that God is love, which means he does not want to punish sin. Instead, he wants to be the justifier, the one who takes those who are unjust and, and makes them just so that they can be with him. Uh, that that really is uh, a, a significant conflict in God's nature because God, by nature, from all eternity, has been both of those. He has been holy, uh, unable to tolerate sin, and also love. Then what what has to happen is for those to be somehow reconciled, and they are reconciled when God punishes all sin, which must be done, in his own person in the person of Christ Jesus, the Son of God. And once God's justice or his holiness has been satisfied by all sin being punished in Christ, that is, God himself, then God is able to do the thing which he desires to do, to declare us justified or not guilty because of his love. And that means now we are able to be with him in a relationship that is ongoing and uninterrupted by our sin uh, for all eternity. 
Let's take a break real quick and, and check in with our, our Iron Preacher and the Challenger. Uh, Iron Preacher, how is the sermon going so far? Uh, fine, I think. Uh, I've started one and scratched it out, and now I'm on to the second. Uh, so we'll have to see. How much time do we have left? We have uh, just under three minutes remaining. <laughs> and uh, Pastor, Pastor Roberts, how, how are you doing so far? Oh, pretty good. I'm I'm uh, remembering back to homiletics class with the Iron Preacher there, and uh, he would usually be done in half amount of time, so <laughs> I realized this challenge. All right, very good. We'll get back to work. You just have uh, a little over two minutes remaining. Uh, Dr. Verkencher, right. uh, we had um, uh, something kind of interesting happen. We, we gave the, the Iron Preacher and his challenger a text. Now, uh, the Bible doesn't say anything about... You know, requiring to use a lectionary. Um, churches that don't use lectionary are in sin. Right. But what would you describe the advantages of using a lectionary? Sure. Uh, and this, uh, the text you've given them, is one that occurs in, as the assigned gospel reading for, for one of the years. A lectionary, as perhaps some of the listeners know, is a scheduled set of lessons, uh, a, le- a reading from the, the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, a reading from the epistles, one of the letters of St. Paul or other apostles in the New Testament, and also then uh, a reading from the Old Testament. Uh, One of the nice advantages is that it enables the preacher, by preaching on those assigned uh, lessons, or pericopes we call them, uh, to cover the full counsel of God over a period of one or three years. Uh, If a preacher uh, works from these assigned texts, which come up on a, either a one- or three-year cycle, by the time he's preached through those, he will have touched on at least the high points of all the primary doctrines of Scripture. That's one of the, the great advantages. There are others. One uh, other wonderful advantage is that uh, different preachers, different parts of the country, even different denominations, are often working on the very same text at the same time. Now, see, as our two con- contestants are working on the same text. Uh, the the Sunday will come down the line in what we call year C, when this will be the gospel reading for both men, one one in Colorado, one in Tennessee, and uh, in that case, working far apart, not connected by phone, they may nevertheless be working on the very same text, which raises the possibility of collaboration. It makes it possible for them to uh, purchase resources uh, that have been prepared for the lectionary, uh, and that's another uh, very nice advantage. And there are others as well. It's a, it's a, a very helpful process, uh, a very helpful tool uh, for preachers to use. That it is. And uh, time is up for our, our preachers. Uh, so preachers, stop. And uh, we <laughs> uh, Pastor Wolfram, do you want to, we have a few seconds. Do you feel confident about this, this outline that you've prepared? Who thought of this game? You did. <laughs> 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 and Pastor Roberts, how, how do you feel about your outline so far? Well, it's got a lot of holes, and uh, you know, I don't know if it has a title or anything, but hey, we're we're uh, we're here for the fun. Very good. Well, we will check them out uh, right after this commercial break. Uh, thank you for listening to Table Talk Radio, and don't forget to check out our website, tabletalkradio.org, and email us your questions. Questions at tabletalkradio.org. We'll be right back right after this. The Donate Now button at tabletalkradio.org is now open for your convenience. Through PayPal, you can make fast, secure, huge donations to the show. So visit our website, and thanks for listening to Table Talk Radio.
Welcome back to more Table Talk Radio. We're here playing Iron Preacher. Uh, and, and the uh, Iron Preacher is Pastor Wolfmiller, or so he claims. And the challenger is Pastor Derek Roberts. He's the campus pastor at Lutheran Campus Ministry at University of Tennessee. And also our judge is on the line. That is Dr. Carl Frickensher, Professor of Homiletics at Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Uh, well, uh, I guess, should we let the challenger go first? Uh, what is he going to do? He's going to read his, his title outline, and then, uh, Dr. Frickensher, I will let your critique have its way with his outline. Then we'll look at all the right. Iron Preacher. So, uh, Pastor right, Roberts, go right. ahead. All right. Well, I guess uh, let me let me give this a go. Uh, my title is uh, this. It has been done, and there's still room. Mm-hmm. And uh, my, my theme, which kind of builds on that title, uh, kind of unpacking the it, uh, which would be salvation in Christ for you and others that has been done, and mm-hmm. there's still room. Oh, that, that's a good start. Salvation in Christ has been done for you and others. I'm writing this down myself so I can critique carefully. And there is still room. Very good. Well, my, my first blush is that it is a, a fine statement of gospel with uh, law also uh, certainly implied. When we say salvation, Christ has been done for you and others, and there is still room. The the word salvation reminds us that we have to be saved from something. And that gives you the opportunity, as you unpack that theme, to talk about the the desperation that we uh, are in by nature that uh, Evan and I talked about during the first portion of the program. Uh, But then, of course, salvation uh, tells us that the, the desperation has been answered in Christ, uh, so my, my first reaction is to say this theme has real potential for both law and gospel, with the gospel predominating, and that's that's crucial. Uh, the gospel wins out. Uh, my second reaction is to say that I think this has fine potential uh, for uh, developing the ideas of this text, and it's, I think, uh, just about as important to be textual in our preaching uh, for ourselves, for us, and others, uh, is uh, very applicable to the the portion of the text where uh, they are, uh, where the servants are sent out to the the streets and lanes of the city to bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, uh, all the folks out there. Uh, that it emphasizes the the uh, the broad width of the gospel, the the many people to whom the gospel is to go, and yet still room uh, reminds us that those who are here uh, listening to the sermon and uh, not yet believers are very much invited, but also reminds us that uh, we as Christians, those who have already received the gospel, uh, can be active in sharing the message with others. So I would say that the text, that the theme is uh, both solid for law and gospel and also very nicely textual. My one uh, critique on textuality initially is that um, the, the term salvation in Christ is not a, a specifically textual term. Now, obviously, it's uh, appropriate uh, because it's what we are talking about, but I like to see my, my uh, students use language that is as textual as possible. And so something about the banquet probably it would be something more that I would favor, something like the banquet has been prepared for us and others and, and still there is room. Still, it would be speaking of the same thing, salvation in Christ, but using a textual term for it. Um, okay, and I uh, just will pick up uh, my outline. Major then. Just, mm-hmm. the, uh, what you talked about, the desperation, is exactly mm-hmm. what I, how I uh, sermon began. Mm-hmm. Uh, my first point was uh, 
life is full of events that are not done. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, some, some sub uh, points under here, A, B, C, and D, uh, which are, for example, work. Uh, work is mm-hmm. never done. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Raising children, uh, that mm-hmm. seems like never done, especially if you're a parent. Uh, you, you know about that these days. <laughs> Seminary and gig lines parents know about that, too. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Uh, college uh, education. Uh, I work with college students. Uh, that feels like it's never going to be done uh, for a lot of students, and they could, so I might uh, might uh, do some application there. Very good. And then finally, the uh, the general life of faith. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a you can have a certain anxiety of searching and seeking for God and, and never be done. I, I knew a, a man here in Knoxville who I he I think he's tried uh, every uh, church uh, possible here. <laughs> And then my uh, point two, uh, or my my second main point, then would be mm-hmm. uh, God's word uh, gives us a life that is done, uh, finished, mm-hmm. secure. And um, I think I would I would start uh, my sub points here uh, with uh, first maybe reviewing those excuses to receiving this life and to, to hearing mm-hmm. that gospel that God's word does give us a life that is finished, secure. Mm-hmm. Uh, that mm-hmm. uh, paradise is ours because of what Christ mm-hmm. has done. Uh, his atonement, uh, his vicarious satisfaction for us, um, and then just review those excuses listed in our text. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, from there, I guess I would uh, uh, I would go uh, to uh, the fact that uh, that it assure us uh, the assurance from the text that there was this this wedding feast uh, that Jesus is teaching us about uh, that uh, represents uh, God the Father in, in heaven uh, preparing a. a great uh, ceremony, a great uh, feast, and boy, what a joyous thing feasts are. I just, I love mm-hmm. wedding myself. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and, uh, and and this is a, a picture of what life is with Christ. It's it's a, mm-hmm. it's a great banquet. Uh, mm-hmm. There's feasting. Uh, wow, feasting. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what great things to look forward to there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, this is the life we have in Christ. And mm-hmm. uh, the, in this text, uh, this, uh, this person who's giving this banquet really wants the banquet. He's not going to settle for nobody uh, being there. Uh, mm-hmm. He will have guests, mm-hmm. uh, and, he, and he will see to it. Can I have you in just about a minute critique uh, the, the outline as the points were presented? Y- yes, indeed. Uh, I would say uh, very quickly, um, what you've got there is potentially workable. It certainly follows logically on the theme. I would say that... I think you have adopted a slightly different law direction than the problem of this text. The one you've adopted is is good, it's certainly relevant, but in this text the real problem isn't those unfinished tasks that we stress about in in life, but rather it is a disinterest in the gospel. Uh the invitation goes out and people make excuses. Uh, they they hear the gospel and they reject it. They find other things to be more valuable, more attractive. And so I think I would probably use a different law problem than the one you did in your Roman numeral one. That, of course, would lead to a slightly different answer in Roman numeral two. You would uh, handle the gospel a little bit differently. Uh, the uh, I would add that in Roman numeral two. God's Word gives us life that is done, I think it would be less wise to have the excuses reviewed there. I think if you would put the excuses in Roman numeral 1, uh, then that would free you up for, for pure, simple, and direct gospel in Roman numeral 2. Uh, so that would be my, my biggest critique. Uh, I think in, in the, the short order that you were given, 
to find job. But uh, I think there's a little polishing that could be done yet. Give another uh, half hour before you preach. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> Very good. Well, just, Thanks. With just a little bit of time left, Pastor Wolfman wants you to uh, tell us your uh, sermon outline. All right, here, here you go, uh, Dr. Fikincher. I'll just go through, I'll give you title, theme, and then a three-point outline, and then uh, and you could come back to me. The, the title is, Everything is Now Ready, uh, taken from the text. The theme is something like this. At least this is what is written down here. Our sinful flesh wants a glorious future, but the promise of the forgiveness from Jesus' cross brings the kingdom of God's salvation to us today. Uh, and then the way that the, the sermon would go, the intro would, would go back one verse to catch up the context where the man says, um, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Uh, the problem there being, will eat bread the man not realizing that he's sitting with the kingdom of God there at the table, and therefore the law would come uh, out like this. We tend to put off the Lord's gifts as if they are burdens, and there you have all the excuses given. But, then here's the gospel, Jesus says that the feast is here, now, in himself, in his death, in his resurrection, in the promise of forgiveness, uh, and in all the other gifts that he gives out in the church. All right, very good. Well, I like what, the way you finished that, um, I, where uh, the, the law problem, uh, we put off the Lord's gifts, and the, uh, the answer in what I assume is the second major division, uh, Jesus says the feast is here now. I, I think that could work well. I would say your theme uh, probably, number one, I think it's the language is not as textual as you would like it to be, uh, because I don't think that the, the glorious uh, future is so much the problem that is being described in the rejection either. Uh, I think they have some immediate things themselves that they find to be more important than, uh, than putting off uh, uh, the desire of God for something in the future. So I think I would probably uh, work, rework the theme in a way that uh, more closely summarizes those two uh, major divisions, that we put off the Lord's gifts, but Jesus says the feast is here now. I think what you've got in your two major divisions is closer to the text than your theme is, and I'd work backwards and revise that way. All right. All right. Uh, Dr. Verkincher, uh is it possible then to, to determine uh, whether the iron preacher wins our little game here? Uh, not that any, well, either preaching is, is superior to the other, but um, for, the, for the sake uh, of the game. Here, here's what I would say. I would say that both have real potential to, to become fine sermons, uh, both express fine law and gospel, both have the same weakness, and that is in terms of textuality, and of course that's something that's a challenge on short notice. I would say that in a case where you have a challenger and uh, a man who has already established as Iron Preacher, and if, uh, if the champion is not clearly dethroned, I think a draw in the ring goes back to the champion. I'm going to say that in what is essentially a draw, we uh, the, the title stays with the Iron Preacher, <laughs> Reverend Brian Wolfmuller. I didn't know the tie goes to the Iron Preacher. <laughs> wow, that's well, a nice rule. Yeah, convenient for you, I'm sure. Oh, I do. We do think uh, both of our guests on the phone, uh, Pastor Derek Roberts and Dr. Carl Frickensher. Uh, thank you both for being on the air with us today. It was my pleasure. Thanks. A real delight. And I'd love to hear both of these sermons. Yes, I would as well. Uh, stay tuned for more Table Talk Radio. We will play Do Not Forget the Lyrics to Your Hymns. Pastor Wolf Miller is a contestant for that. We'll be right back. More Table Talk Radio right after this.
back to the last segment of the program here on Table Talk Radio where we play Don't Forget the Lyrics to Your Hymn. And this is another, this is like Pastor, Wolf, Pastor Wolf Miller's game idea day because uh, all of these new games uh, were the invention of Pastor Wolf Miller. Being one of the reasons why most of you tuned out about 35, 40 minutes <laughs> yeah. ago. Yeah, if you've uh, have, uh, <laughs> remained a listener this long, you get a special prize. <laughs> that's right. We do have a listener participation game this segment. Oh, that's going to be important. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> He's scrambling to get something to, to go. But anyway, uh, I do want to tell you about our phone line uh, for Table Talk Radio. You can call in and, and leave a message on our voicemail system, and uh, you can ask a question or a comment, and we like to address those on the air. And uh, that number is 866-851-5523, and uh, do call that number uh, toll-free. Yeah, in fact, that's the number that you'll need to use when playing the following listener participation game. The, the game we have today is uh, Name That Hymn. And the way it works is this. We're, I'm going to read two stanzas from a hymn, and, and you can send in. You can either email us at our email address, which is... Well, just email me, uh, evan at tabletalkradio.org. Or call our listener comment line with the answer to the name of this hymn. And uh, out of all of the correct answers, uh, we will be c- uh, picking one and sending away, uh, uh, sending to you a prize. Uh, please leave a way for I can contact you, so if you are the winner, I can get a hold of you somehow. Here are two stanzas from a hymn, and again, send in the answer, and uh, you'll win a prize. Uh, Yet as the law must be fulfilled, or we must die despairing, Christ came and has God's answer stilled, our human nature sharing. He has for us the law obeyed, and thus the Father's vengeance stayed, which over us impended. Since Christ is full atonement made and brought to us salvation, Each Christian, therefore, may be glad and build on this foundation. Your grace alone, dear Lord, I plead. Your death is now my life indeed, for you have paid my ransom. There you go. If you know the the end of that one, uh, call 866-851-5523 or email us, evan at tabletalkradio.org. Okay, are you ready for uh, your first entry here for uh, Don't Forget the Lyrics? I'm ready. My voice is warmed up. I've iron preached. Oh, no. Now I'm ready to iron <laughs> iron singer America. Okay, well, here is the first one. Forgive our sins, Lord, we implore, that they may trouble us no more. We <laughs> insert <laughs> insert last line here. <laughs> That's the uh, Luther's Our Father hymn the, mm-hmm. on the uh, f- uh, pet- petition to forgive our trespasses. Uh, uh, that we would gladly us forgive and da, 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 da. Oh. so the last. I'll I'll help you out. The last line that was stated: uh, We too will gladly those forgive who hurt us by the way they live. Uh this is. I was looking at this because I was trying to work on this hymn actually to in the old uh, with the old version. Now that you've given the, I believe the new. Oh, is that translation right? Translation. I, I, I didn't even think of that. But that's all right. I don't know it even in the old one. Uh, <laughs> I can't think of it. Let's have the line, Evan. It is, help us in our community to serve each other willingly. Help us in. Our, yep, yep, yep. That's nice, isn't it? I mean, this is a marvelous hymn. I, we can talk about the hymn anyways, even though I don't know the lyrics. <laughs> How many points did I not get on that, by the way? 
Uh, it doesn't matter. You didn't get any. <laughs> it's better if I don't tell you what you're yeah, missing. Yeah, that's out right. Of. That's right. Uh, Luther wrote. Um, he wrote. He, Luther wrote a ton of hymns. He wrote hymns on each of the parts of the uh, uh, of the of the catechism. Uh, hymn on each of the six chief parts, and that's his hymn on the Lord's Prayer. It has nine stanzas. One for the introduction, Our Father, uh, and that's the name of the hymn, Our Father, Thou in Heaven Above, or Our Father Who in Heaven Above, and then one uh, hymn stanza for each of the. Uh, petitions of the Lord's Prayer, and then the final stanza on the Amen. So it's a beautiful way to um, to actually learn the, the Lord's Prayer and the meaning, because Luther just takes the text and the explanation of it and puts it together in the hymn. Well, and I, I like the words he uses here. Um, uh, he, you know, we, we're asking forgiveness from our fathers, as we uh, obviously from the Lord's Prayer. Uh, but then it says, "We too will gladly forgive those who are hurting us by the way we live." Um, you know, we we are quick to ask the Lord for forgiveness, but we continue to hold grudges. Uh, to our neighbor, so that's a great reminder. Then, uh, then also the last line that you could not remember: uh, help us in our community to serve each other willingly, and we do uh, serve our neighbor um, just as Christ has served us. Yeah, that's right. The Holy Spirit living in us uh, brings us alive in Christ, and it causes us then to do good works of love and charity to those around us. All right. Well, you ready for the next one? Uh, no, apparently I'm not. Okay. You probably put the easy one first, too. <laughs> okay, well, uh, also, if you get this, it's worth 200 points. Lasting to eternity. Is that? That is incorrect. I am baptized into Christ. What a. This game is tough. It is. It is. All right, give me the last line then, and I'll try to fill in the blanks. Though I lie in dust and ashes, faith, assurance, brightly flashes. Who thought of this game? All <laughs> right, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I can't. Th- th- this is the fourth stanza of the hymn, and uh, the you last, the easy ones. The last line is, uh, "Baptism has a strength divine to make life immortal mine." To make life immortal mine. That's a great, beautiful. I am baptized into Christ, and the whole uh, hymn is holding forth the benefits of baptism that uh, that it has for us. Um, and it's true. Baptism gives life immortal. I mean, that's what uh, John, when he's talking to Nicodemus, says that baptism is being born again. And Jesus says, Mark sixteen sixteen, whoever is baptized, whoever believes and is baptized shall be saved. So that baptism brings all these benefits of life and salvation and the forgiveness of sins. And, and the hymn gives that to us. Um, that's fantastic. Yeah, one of my favorite stanzas of this hymn, which is actually a newer hymn. Um, it's not one of the more historic ones that we have. Um, but the, my favorite one is stanza three, which begins like this. Satan, hear this proclamation. I am baptized into Christ. And it reminds me of a quote from Luther, uh, which I don't remember where it comes from. You might know. But uh, when Satan tells you, you know, you're utterly sinful – Tell him, I know that. So what? I have one who who took on sin for me. His name's Christ, and it's in him I have righteousness and, and salvation. Um, so uh, when, when Satan attacks with those accusations, 
uh, hey, listen to this. I am baptized. And it's in that baptism, we receive the, those gifts. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's because when we can point at this objective reality of the Lord taking us and marking us with his name, then we can fight back the assaults of the devil, which are often we don't feel close to Christ. We don't feel forgiven. We don't feel the presence of God or all of this sort of thing. But we still stand as his baptized children. So it's, it's what the Lord has done, not what we've done. And that's, and that's the gift that baptism gives. That's right. We have one more. This is really a bad... <laughs> bad. All right. Remember the first segment in this game where I got zero, right? Yeah, that's right. feels better being on the other end of the table. If, um, if any of you, by the way, who are listening have gotten any of our questions right, then uh, then you should write in, and I'm sure we can scramble around and find some sort of prize for you, because <laughs> apparently that's better than both Evan and Yeah, what we'll do is I. we'll, we'll c- combine games. If you get this right, we'll play What's in Your Pastor's Library, and we'll send you the book that Pastor pulls off the shelf. <laughs> All right, well, uh, here's the uh, last one, and uh, it might come a little bit easier. We'll see. This is the again the new version. How does the oh. if thou that, oh do you get man, the old you, version? I'll give it to well, you. Well, it's a different line, so it has a different rhyme. Oh really? Oh man! From depths of woe I cry to thee, Luther's. Now th- I should know this one too. Luther's uh, Psalm one thirty hymn, which begins from depths of woe I cry to thee. Lord, hear me, I implore thee. Bend down thine gracious ear to me. Thy prayers that come before thee. If thou remembers each misdeed, uh, if each should have its rightful mead who then can stand before thee. It's something like that. Do you have a Yeah, have a yeah I have a hymnal. Let's check. Here it is for you, Evan. You could Okay. Uh, and so here Let's you're see. holding it. I'm not looking. If each should have their rightful mead who can abide thy presence. That is correct. Woo! Very good. There you go. And oh. it's this is a great hymn, Psalm one thirty, the De Profundis from the depths, uh which we sing at funerals and and in the hospital sand times. It it speaks about the uh the troubles of this life, but the marvelous thing is that it speaks of the Lord's forgiveness. There is forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared. So that with the Lord our Lord Jesus there's always forgiveness. Uh, and that's the great thing about the scriptures and about these hymns that we're singing. They always bring the Lord's forgiveness. All right. Well, I, I guess you get 200 points for that one. Woo! So uh, you come out the winner uh, just barely again. Uh, but we'll see how that goes in future shows. But thank you for listening to Table Talk Radio. Don't forget to check out our website, tabletalkradio.org. See you back here on Table Talk Radio. You've been listening to Table Talk Radio. The views expressed on this show are that of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. We would like to answer your questions concerning theology, the scriptures, or anything else. Send your questions to questions at tabletalkradio.org or leave us a voicemail message, 866-851-5523. Be sure to check out our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening, and tune in again next time to Table Talk Radio.